This is PrimerCast episode 11, and we'll be talking about the 2011 uh, psychological thriller drama called We Need to Talk About Kevin, directed by Lynn Ramsey. Hey, Amza. Hey. All right. So, so what do you think about this one? Oh, this was intense. I was kind of confused the first, like, 20 minutes, what's going on. But then, yeah. When it hits you, it hits you. So, uh, it's probably because of the nonlinear structure of the movie. Because yeah, it, yeah. Because it like jumps around to different places and once everything comes oh, yeah. into the full picture, you'll get to yeah, see. Yeah, so basically the movie's yeah. I was gonna say the movie's about like a school shooting basically. Like this kid is yes, you know, shot at school and then it's his mom dealing with that guilt and like, you know, aftermath of that. Yeah, and I think uh, what everything we sort of see is from the mom's point of view, right? Like how she reflects yeah. on the mm-hmm. entire situation. So we get to see that in different bits and parts, like how she leads her life after it happened and how life was for her before it happened. And I think the whole point of the movie is to show like there isn't uh, any particular uh, reason as to how Kevin became the psychopath that he is. But, you know, there are a lot of factors and a lot of things that he did, which the parents could have, like, touched upon. Like, they could have yeah. had a conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the title is so ironic. It's like, we need to talk about Kevin, but, you know, they never really do. It's just that yeah, the mom and son hate each other, and the dad is, like, completely oblivious to the fact that, you know, his son is yeah. a psychopath. So, so you, want, you want to start from the beginning? Uh, I found the beginning like, pretty interesting. You mean the first uh, two scenes, like? I mean, just the beginning in general. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, definitely the like the red is used a lot in this movie, especially yeah. in the beginning. Like it's it's heavily used. Uh, the opening scene just like some like paint or something, like she's swimming in something in the crowd. Oh, that that that's actually um, so in Spain. There's a festival called the La Tomatina Festival. I believe what they do is that there's like this street where they just like dump and like people just play with tomatoes. Like they throw tomatoes at each other. Oh, so okay. That makes sense. I, I think it was a reference to like that festival, but I think the main point was to like, you know, signify the color of red because it's a yeah, very, red. it's a very violent movie at its core, but it never like oh, yeah. shows any of the violence on screen. Yeah. There's no like actual like stabbing or shooting or anything. It's just like the aftermath of the not yeah Not the actual thing yeah and uh, i thought the use of the i mean the direction is like fantastic in this movie and oh yeah i thought the uh, use of the score was really great yeah so the score i found interesting because it's a lot of old songs you have buddy holly and like oldest like folk songs used and then also it has like uh some of the songs like coincide very directly with the scenes too like when she's in his room, Kevin's room, looking around, there's a song playing, mentioning some like room or something. And then when he, when in doing Christmas, there's like a song talking about like motherhood for that too. So I think the songs definitely did reflect the movie itself. And there are also songs in the, there are also songs in the, uh, where do I say? Um, like when she's driving in the car, like the radio, those kind of songs yeah so on on that note uh when she's driving like, on halloween night i think and buddy holly's uh i think roller coaster this his song is playing and it's really like an upbeat song 
and uh, in a spark lot or something what we use fear around that way like fear inducing so i found a parallel kind of interesting too it's like the, during the drive during the halloween scene which is like somewhere yeah. in like the first 30 minutes so yeah the, the songs are so happy like it's all like super happy music that's being played and you see like all these fearful like someone's like dangling around in the skeleton costume or like a witch yeah, just walks yeah. by mm-hmm. and it's just like that juxtaposition of like this happiness with you know halloween um it's like it just sort of shows how disconnected she is from the world around her yeah yeah definitely uh i think also one shot i found way like striking was when she's in the grocery store and she's looking like she's shopping and stuff and the shot of her in front of a like a rack of uh tomato soup cans and that screamed Andy Warhol to me for some reason. I think the soup can something. I think yeah, the the red yeah. yeah definitely, definitely Andy Warhol like references. This is tomato soup, and it's all red. Yeah, it's like that old. It's like that old school look to it. Like none of the like new packaging. Yeah, like, the Andy Warhol soup can, the Campbell soup. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that, that's uh, what I think. That's what's yeah. Uh, I think, but yeah, yeah, you're saying. Yeah. So what I was saying was, uh, there's like. The way the reason for the nonlinear structure, I feel, is like there's no sense of time or anything. It's just that we sort of see the kid grow. Then he, you know, uh, shoots up the school, and then the mom faces the, you know, the setback that yeah. And from a lot of time jumps too. Like it goes from when he's like really young to as a teenager. Like he just skips a whole like you know, ten years. Yeah, because the first scene of the movie is like this curtain that's waving like this white it's sort of like angelic and then after that we see tilda swinton you know trying to like uh find some peace in the la tomatina festival like she's trying to fi- find like a dopamine rush so that she feels better i think that's mm-hmm. the yeah. sort of point and there's also a lot of red so that signifies yeah, yeah. like another theme the use of red and then we proceed to like another scene where you meet the daughter right celia so mm-hmm. it jumps from there and then and we actually don't really see ezra miller Ezra Miller's the one who plays Kevin, right? So yeah, we don't see him actually do anything much uh, until like about forty-five minutes into the movie, like when he's actually born, because we see yeah. like we see like a part of him, like the way he interacts with his dad and his sister a bit, but we never see him interact with his mother, and that alone is like saved for a little later. Like she just wants, the, I think, when Lynn Ramsey went into this, she kind of just wanted that mom and son relationship to unfold linearly but everything else sort of jumps around oh yeah definitely yeah the relationship this is yeah it progresses then yeah definitely like it it goes in a smooth path while the cuts everywhere else definitely felt that too and uh, i thought some of the okay so the way the way that she's uh shot some of the scenes are also like pretty amazing like her use of blur and like the shallow depth of field you know lack of focus in some scenes and it's like yeah the, yeah it's like these moving images, you know, kind of, they're not, I couldn't say that they were surreal, but, you know, they sort of seem to give that vibe. Like, you know, yeah, like, it, like it the clock, feels, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, when it turns from like 12 o'clock to 12.01, and then it becomes like this blur of like four red lights, you know, uh-huh. and then it moves around and then she takes the yellows and like those become like these circles, these blurs in the form of circles. And, you know, it's just that, you know, the way she inserted those into the narrative were, like, really well done. And it's, like, adds a personal touch, I think. Yeah, it definitely felt like, a, uh, you know, those Terrence Malick movies, mm-hmm. like Tree of Life, 
it yeah. had hints of like surrealism, like tennis Malik surrealism. Also, the way it's shot, the first like half of the movie is very handheld. So there's no like, dodge shots; it's all like handheld shaky cam, which I found uh, like I guess like more making them it made it more personal, like you said, like it's more up close, more like gritty, and more like, in in your face. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think also like, just the way it's like structured too, it helps with that more personalized and. Uh, almost like surrealist feeling yeah and in addition to like the handheld that you said sometimes she just like let shots stay like it, mm-hmm. it, either just the camera just moves to the right or the left it's really simple and then she makes the actor sort of come into play and you know give their performances so it's like you set a camera in one place and you're just watching all this happen in front of you so it feels like uh, a moving organism of sorts i mean that's kind of like yeah a it feels alive no it definitely yeah, it feels, feels alive. alive like it has yeah so it's not like when you when you cut right when you like have a cut it's like you're cutting to show this other character and she does that only when there's like a back and forth sort of like between the mom between mm-hmm. Tilda Swinton and uh, the younger Kevin uh, Jasper Newell. So she does it only when it's necessary and otherwise she just like leaves the shot and focus and people walk in and out and it allows for like these really fluid scenes throughout the movie. Uh, I think also one thing I noticed was the theme of like Robin Hood. Like she introduces him to like archery like very at a young age, and then it turns into something like malice and evil as it progresses. Yeah, like the effect that Robin Hood had on him, like must have been an influence. Yeah, yeah. Like his dad buys him the set. He has a little hat. And Robin Hood is just shooting the the suction cup darts, and then you see him transform to you know actual shooting, like actual arrows, and then the school shooting where he uses arrows. I mean, if you notice, that's like the only book he has in his room. Like, there's no other. Book. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything else is like stationary or like archery-related stuff, and you know. And then I think, uh, and that's the only time he actually even like shows any hints of like love towards his mother. Like, he comes uh-huh. to her, and then he cuddles next to her. She's even, and his dad comes in too, and it says, and then he said, "No, dad, go away." Right? Yeah, I'm tired. And yeah. all of a sudden, it's like I don't know, like. Like Tilda Swinton's character really thinks that you know now she's having a chance, you know, like mm-hmm. to bond with her son, which she hasn't for like so long. Like she's been trying for like five or six years consistently, and this is like the first time he's shown even some love towards her. Also, like, I found it interesting that instead of like using guns for a school shooting, they used archery, like arrows. Mm-hmm. And I when I think school shooting, I think like you know like ARs, like like assault rifles not archery so it's definitely an interesting twist on it i mean that might have been in the original book too because the original book the thing is that let me see i'm pretty sure i don't know how how much was changed because i haven't read the book but Mm -hmm. the original book yeah in the original book he kills them with a crossbow oh okay so yeah And yeah, so it's kind of like a massacre in school, but he just does it with the crossbow because he really likes archery. And that's the only thing he sort of shows any uh, pleasure in, you know? Yeah. Any interest. And uh, I think the most interesting thing about this is like why he chooses to not kill his mom, even though he hates her so much, but uh, he just kills everybody around her. Yeah, I find that interesting, confusing too. Like, I didn't fully get that. Because the thing is that you can't really uh, define where or how his hate for his mom started, you know, because as a kid, he used to cry when she, hold, she used to hold him. 
but like when his dad uh-huh. came in like everything would be normal it's like they'll just be like oh he's just, just a little baby and he's just a little kid and you know he keeps on showing this uh fake affection to his dad and he just yeah. plays around with his sister a bit um, because it'll irritate his mom and mm-hmm. uh to his mom he's like he just shows absolute content so it's just that you never know why or how this all began in the first place so since there's a lack of definition in regards to that i think uh it just allows for this you know really um since you can't pinpoint it to one single thing as the audience were like supposed to try and think of other factors that may you know be a reason and i don't know if there's like from my experience i don't know if there's any particular reason other than that he's just uh psychopathic and uh, he just wanted to prove a point to his mom or just make her life a living hell which is what he does succeed in eventually yeah definitely i think it's i think he succeeds in making it worse than killing her yeah cuz i just live the guilt of you know having a son that killed and in regards to like the one scene where like she was holding the baby like she takes she takes him out on a stroller and then there's this one moment where like she stops and there's uh-huh. a sign on the other side that says no parking 24/7 so yeah. she doesn't so she doesn't stop it's like you like you were jogging and you like ran out of breath so you stop for a second and then you keep going because you know you wanted to like do this without any stops yeah, yeah. kind of like that thing and i thought that was really nice and uh, i thought there was uh, another scene um i can't remember oh yeah okay so it's in the high school so right before uh-huh. we get to see like you know how he massacres like the students in the gym uh there's this uh banner like you know something in the high school it just says like it's not a banner it's like behind like a trophy shelf or something and says like expect great things oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and yeah well he proceeds to do something that clearly yeah. is uh uh on on that same note uh i think when you know he injures his sister's eye mhm and his mom is talking about like how it's not his fault uh he's eating all the leafy food i think he's like it like he's like peeling it up and the, the camera like zooms in to his mouth as he's eating it yeah yeah and then like you know like an eye sort of image imagery yeah yeah there's there are then, yeah there are tons of those there's like oh like, yeah quick zoom in into there's like a slow zoom in into Tilda Swinton's eye and then that changes to you know another thing and there's another one with like Ezra Miller's eyes and the they just zoom in and you know you can see the archery board on it so like like oh yeah that was a really well done shot too yeah uh, also hey, go ahead no no I, you can go ahead i i feel i was going to say uh me too <laughs> <laughs> okay let me let me think oh i i i know all right uh, the the jam sandwiches ah uh-huh. yeah so yeah they like, three four times you see them in movies Like yeah. Tilda Swinton eats one at the end, and then when he's young, Kevin smears one on the table, and then as a teenager, he makes one in the kitchen. He's eating it. Yeah, the way he sort of like scoops it, just like I think I thought that scene was really good too because I think it's a scene that serves like multiple functions, and when that's always in the script, you know, when you have one scene doing like two things, it just uh, makes it so much more immersive, and you know, oh, like, yeah. pushing the story beats forward. so therefore you get on with the plot while you also like are able to add in some visual imagery that really uh helps strengthen the themes of the film so he's scooping out this jelly which is red of course and you know <laughs> that goes with the theme of being red and he just yeah. scoops out more and more of it you know more than you actually need and he just like kind of 
Um, when push you push the down, yeah, it sort seeps of, out. Yeah, yeah, you sort of see that inner like anger, like sort of unleash in him a bit. Like it isn't, it's not his anger, but like his tendency to, you know, the way he, yeah, he, yeah, because he's always very dismissive and condescending towards everyone around him, except his dad for the most part. So, so you can sort of see those tendencies, like as he makes the sandwich. And in the meanwhile, the Tilda Swinton's, uh, Tilda Swinton's character is standing right beside him in the kitchen and uh, she's made she's doing something on her own and that scene uh, on the narrative purpose it like just serves to you know uh move the plot forward by like setting up this uh point where they meet up together during the evening uh try to go for dinner together like so that it serves one purpose to show his aggressive tendencies but also it mm-hmm. keeps the plot going forward so i thought that was a yeah. really good scene also, going back to the linear format, the, like the, how it cuts back and forth to the times, I feel that you said there's a linear like, progression from like Taylor Swin and, his, and like, Kevin's like, progression as he's older and his relationship with his mom. I feel that another one of these linear patterns in the movie is uh, Tilda Swin character when she cleans off the paint on her house. Yeah. Like as it goes on, you see in the beginning, like a uh, few first, like few scenes, you see the paint on a house and on a car. Yeah, it's and as the movie, yeah, as the, as the movie goes on, you see us slowly taking, scraping off, and washing away, and painting over and stuff. Yeah, I think it's um, obviously it's retaliation from the community that she lives in, and it, it mm-hmm. becomes more apparent why there's this retaliation for her. You know, as yeah. through the course of the story. But I think it's also like guilt too. Like it's her cleaning away the guilt of you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because I mean there are people who treat her favorably and not favorably, right? Like so she gets a job at the place mm-hmm. where the travel agency and then yeah. she and then the a woman she comes in uh confrontation with a woman who's like, Oh, someone's having a nice day and then like the woman proceeds to punch slaps her, yeah, yeah slaps mm-hmm. her in the face. And uh, you can see that, you know, uh, she is disturbed by the entire incident. But And a man comes and asks, like, should I call 911? And she's like, no, it's okay, I'm fine. I, I was, I was, I'm responsible, like, I'm guilty. And then she keeps walking towards, uh, walking towards where she has to go. So you can see that she feels that there's a theme of guilt. That's oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But at the same time, like, one of the kids who was, like, injured by Kevin uh, mm-hmm. in the gym incident, uh, he comes in a wheelchair and then, you know, he's much more hopeful and much more optimistic and uh, kind of feels that like she had nothing to do with it because I think there are some people who are fair to her because like at the same time, she lost her husband and her daughter as well. Yeah. Unpsychopathic. But some people only like see, uh, some people only uh, respond to her in, in, the, in regards to like how the situation affected them alone, not anyone else. Uh, and I think another point I want to make was, you know, when Kevin is in jail and her, his mom is visiting him and he takes the nails out of his mouth and lines yeah. them up. Yeah. And also later on, uh, when the mom is shopping for eggs and someone breaks all the eggs in the car and she takes them home, she's, in this, she's taking out the eggshells and lining them up in a plate the same way as her son did in prison. So yeah, I yeah. found that tell is interesting. Yeah, it's like eggshells and then it's just like those hard, like, you know, prickly parts yeah, yeah. Has to fa- of her life that she has to face every day. And, mm-hmm. and that just sort of like, yeah, you're like connecting images together. And I think that's what really stands out about the direction of this movie, because 
it's not like a dialogue heavy script and oh no you're, you're hearing dialogue for the first like 10 15 minutes yeah because yeah. Ev everything comes from the visuals and from the action and how the performances are and you know i think the performances really sell this movie i mean everyone in this oh, movie is pretty amazing yeah. mm -hmm. like tilda swinton especially and um it's kind of surprising like you know this movie like i feel like this needs a lot more acclaim i mean there are a couple of things that you know i thought were a little over the top like one scene where like you know he just keeps uh vigorously masturbating when she oh yeah that was kinda... I, I don't know if it was like i don't know if that was in like retaliation to the fact that he walked in on his parents having sex when he was a kid but oh yeah i thought of it that way but then even then it didn't seem to make any sense because although Kevin is someone who like holds a grudge for a long time, he can, he's also very capable of manipulating people. So it felt like some, I don't know if it was in the book or not, but it just felt like a little too much, like over the top, you know, like, a, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I, I felt that's like, it's just his way, like spite his mother. Yeah. Know? Just another way. Like, a, yeah. because everything that he says as well, you know, it's something like you would expect a teenager to say too, because, there's this yeah, very true. at the golf this, course when his mom asked him, "Are you embarrassed of me?" He says, "Why would I be embarrassed?" And you know, mom, mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> that, that's one thing. And I think uh, what he said on TV also, like it's kind of the stuff like a teenager would say to like justify what they did. Um, I mean, in that situation, he's like, it sort of goes into this um, meta mode all of a sudden, where he says like, uh -huh. "There are sometimes people uh, in TV watching TV, and what are they watching?" absolutely nothing then he talks about like how his actions have consequence and like many others where he says like you would have you would have flipped the channel if i had just got an a in geometry but yeah, I, yeah. but i don't do that you you are so interested in me that you didn't you haven't switched channels yet so he talked he kind of talks about um what do you say it's just like the it's just like the feeling of like accomplishing something yeah i think on that same note you know i said that if i got good grades and you just, just change the channel and that's also like a reflection on like violence in movies too like one of the reasons we watch movies is you know for action and adventure and you know to extend violence and it just hits reflection on you know the movie watching as as he's talking yeah because there's this element that you know we're we're watching them watch tv and you know it's kind of like as a yeah. audience, as an audience, he's telling us that you know he's only focused on us. You know, he's only focused on providing entertainment for our benefit. Because to me, what it seems like is that his mom is the audience, and that's why I feel like he never, although he has so much contempt for her, he wants mm -hmm. to see her like rot in misery and agony, and he does achieve that in the end because now she's completely ostracized from his from the community she actually yeah her family is dead yeah she has uh, to leave her, her job. son's in jail yeah. yeah and yes leave her job sell her house all that and she has to go live in this rundown place where no one still respects her and she she can't she doesn't have enough money to move out or find her own thing so now what does she do like she's kind of done for like he's kind of thrown her you know like he's kind of like buried her into the ground like even before all of this she was like she was selling books, like she was supposed to go for a book signing or something. And you see that. So she's someone who was part of the high class society and they had a huge, really, and a really nice house too, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so uh, all that 
has gone away and now she's lived in this rundown like tiny house where she bas- can basically afford just the stuff that she needs you know basically yeah she's lost her family like uh there's no like family or friends either she's all alone i mean he just accomplished what he did which is like you know perform for the audience and entertain them and his audience is a mom so he never killed her i think and i think that's what just yeah. leads to all of this and it just like that he felt like he was an artist who was performing because you can even see that you know in the school in the gym there's this one scene where he like walks in and we yeah, like raises his hand yeah and he bows and like you know he's yeah. t- it's like as if he's done with this performance after shooting everyone and he just like as it, there's like this majestic move where like you know he just has both his hands like sprung open like as if he gave one of the greatest performances in history ever so he he has that there's that ego within him too you know like that i have done what exactly what i wanted to accomplish uh which is to yeah which is to make his mom suffer in pain so there's that i mean that's my takeaway but i don't know what about you you know that makes a lot of sense yeah because like you know, i was trying to see the perils but i feel like his mom is the audience and that that's what the whole tv bit was about because i thought that was a really interesting thing but oh, it's yeah, also some, yeah. but what i love about it is it's also something that you would expect a teenager to say you know it's kind of like i think it's also helps like with the delivery of the mm-hmm. lines because it's very you know angsty and you know oh yeah uh, like rebellious and you know yeah yeah rebellious is probably the right <laughs> word for it but yeah i thought i thought his performance in that scene was great so you can just see that content and uh, yeah really comes out what do you think about the scene with uh the one where he breaks his hand as a kid oh so yeah i think the way that's introduced is uh pretty interesting cuz like you see him in jail right he's like rubbing his forearm with scratches it was a gash and then it cuts to you know the story of how he got that thing and i think he uses that throughout his life i mean he's like you know, his mom as a like, guilt trip to like get her to do stuff because she heard like in the car when uh she says that uh and he goes somewhere it's not on on go home and then you see him scratching his uh scar yeah so i think it just shows like how like manipulative he can be yeah as a kid too because another yeah. thing, like after on the same day like sorry the same night mm-hmm. uh you know you hear the sounds of like him flush flushing the toilet after uh using using the bathroom so it's like as if like all after the accident like all of a sudden he's finally able to uh you know potty train himself and like so he was probably capable of doing that before and he just you know like did all this to annoy her basically yeah also like he didn't tell his dad that his mom you know pushed him and didn't tell talk to him because he knows that he he's going to use this later on so yeah. he's very self aware like you know cunning you as a as a little kid yeah and i think that's why you see the mom keep worrying and despite how many times the mom tells the dad uh franklin that's his name franklin uh mm-hmm. is completely you know he 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 the way he sees is that like he's a very innocent child and you know just a mom and son kind of thing and eventually they'll get yeah. over it like and even the doctors too like when he goes to break his arm the doctor said yeah you have a nice very nice boy and then the dog the pediatrician says your kid is fine and so on with him yeah so it just like kind of shows how yeah how manipulative he is as a person and uh 
that's the thing. There's like the theme of guilt with like how she feels about like what her son did to the people that live around them and the guilt she feels for him as well, because, you know, he lied on her behalf because, you know, obviously if uh, he told that his mom was the one who threw him on the wall and caused him to break yeah. his hand, then, you know, his dad would probably throw a fit. So, and she'd be in jail too for child abuse. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so you, you would see that. But, you know, when you come to the end, he just kills everyone, including the dad and the daughter. So it's like, did he have any love for the dad in the first place? Like, was he ever capable of loving anyone? Because, you know, he doesn't love his sister. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> like with the hamster and... Uh, the eye and killing it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about the hamster scene? Like, where it's revealed that he kind of just stuffed it into the uh, sink. Like, uh, what is it called? It's like a... Garbage disposal? Well, it's not like garbage disposal, but it's like in the sink, right? There's a specific name for it, but I forgot. Like, he, he basically like... It's like you dump it and then you switch it. Where am I like... Yeah, it's the garbage disposal in the sink. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's called garbage disposal, that's all? Yeah, I think so. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, in sink generator. Okay, fine. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 So... So yeah, he puts it in that and uh, obviously, you know, it's, things start bubbling up and then you know, she ha- he has to put like the cleaning fluid and stuff. And I think uh, another thing about the direction is that, you know, the bike locks that he uses to shut the doors in the gym, mm-hmm. those kind of like zipper locks are used to like close the cabinets too, like to the fluid and stuff. So it's kind of like, what do I say? It's like, a, it's not a foreshadowing exactly, but like she's showing like, these images when you see like similar images come into play like it's sort of like a deja vu movement and like you're able to yeah yeah them also i found that the bicocks were yellow which is interesting i, I thought this should be red like you're gonna think but i think that's an interesting color to choose i think it's because, because... like all the doors were red oh okay so, so uh, yeah, yeah that kind of stands sense. out so yeah it makes sense and yeah. i think even you know in the night when they're like lighting that scene you know the yellow will it'll be easier to see the yellow yeah yeah okay. it, yeah so i think um it was for that reason maybe yeah i'm pretty sure she would have made that red too if possible but it depends on like on location like where you shoot. yeah what looks nice too you know yeah because the school's actually like a really nice looking school like and oh yeah yeah the entire yeah. community they live in it's definitely like one of those uh affluent of, rich you know yeah, well affluent, to do. Rich, yeah suburbs yeah yeah and uh, clearly, you know, you, it's such a huge fall from there and how, like, how she's living her life in the present. You know, when you see all that, it's like, how did you fall this far? And then you see like, how like, one child can be the cause of it. And I think it's sort of that worry, you know, that she, was, she always felt like he was going to do something. He was going to do something. And finally, he did it. But I don't think she ever expected this to happen, like where he would just go massacre a bunch of people in the school and his family too yeah because the only motive yeah. of hate hate that he has is towards his mom so why would he do everything why would he like kill everyone but her is the question and i think the thing is that you know if he left his dad and his sister alive then the thing would be that you know he would have he would obviously be arrested but then she would she would come home and then she would still somehow manage right yeah she has the poor group you know and her daughter that she loves too. Yeah. That's why she has nothing. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of the... There's no moral in this, is there? Like, I mean, it's like... I think, I think 
what it shows is like you see the documentary by uh boys the combine mm-hmm. yeah i think yeah i think it's the same theme that you know school shootings on like it's not one thing that causes them no really- there's like no one particular factor but you know always people when when you try to find a cause you like try to nail it down to one thing and that's one thing you can never do with this movie yeah exactly i mean i think those two have that similarity too like in in boys and columbine they they say they, they like standardized idea of having one cause to school shootings and this too is that you know there's not one thing that kicks them off each other school hmm. because you know the way i think about it is that the way i think about it is that it's not just again back coming back to the point i don't think just that like i feel like he might just be a psychopath like at the end of the day it's just that his main target was his mom and instead of killing the mom he just killed everyone around i feel like i'm saying the same thing over and over again but <laughs> no it, it makes sense yeah that makes sense yeah because like eventually when it comes to the end of the scene right you want to talk about the final scene where he actually starts to talk with his mom while in jail yeah and then his mom hugs him Yeah, but I mean the thing is that his mom asked him like why and this is like 2 years afterwards. Yeah, I I used to know but not anymore. Right? Yeah. And I think the whole point was that he just never realized that his mom wasn't able to handle him because when you see there, there's this one scene where I don't know it's like this like it's just like the scene with a pregnant woman and they're uh-huh. like all super excited and some of them are even like showing off their bellies but they're all very excited about the prospect of having a kid and but she's like sad so. yeah, yeah and sitting down like as if she was not ready for this at all because she didn't want a kid at that point in her life mm-hmm. but you know she has one and i think that's what she feels because right and even there's a scene like yeah she on that point yeah when she has the second kid she doesn't tell his her husband until like you know later on Oh yeah 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 it's because he's like mom like, is sad. She doesn't want to have she knows that her first kid wasn't you know ideal so she doesn't want another one like him. Yeah. And uh I think the but I mean she turns out to be a sweet child right the second kid. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just that you know I don't know Kevin is just like personification of like you know he he never feels wanted and I think that's what he thought his mother was uh doing you know like she was never like she felt like all the love that his mom showed him was like never true and like he never uh-huh. felt wanted by his mom but he never felt about his dad the same way and i think at the end of the movie is when he sort of realizes that his mom just tried everything but she still did love him for who she is you know like they hug afterwards too and so he just yeah. begins to wonder like why he even did all this in the first place like why did he ruin her life so much why did he kill his family and you know all those people yeah so i think that's sort of the the thing is that there's no there's no way they can reverse anything back which is what makes it which is what makes this whole movie feel so hopeless by the end because even though they sort of come to an understanding of like why they did it and why they shouldn't have done it it's like you cannot do anything to change things back like you cannot start from square one you know Yeah, what's going on? They're gone forever. Go back in time, yeah. And I think that's just what makes this movie really powerful. And so yeah, you have any thoughts about the final scene? No, I think we summed it up pretty, pretty well. Yeah, I mean, 
there's there's a lot of talk about like I mean we just talked about the story points alone and why mm-hmm. it's so good and why it works so well but I think uh, even on a filmmaking level you know really yeah it's very cinematographic stuff the way it's shot beautifully done yeah like that scene where like you, there's this mon there's this montage right like really close cut montage where sh- she meets him like uh, Tilda Swinton meets John C Riley and you know they both are like dancing in the rain. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, the cam the camera like as there's like this one shot where they're like on the sidewalk and like it's like the camera's between the sidewalk and the road, like mm-hmm. right on the curb, and yeah, and you sort of see this uh, the music that plays in that scene is what like makes it sort of haunting. Like it's like it's like the, this relationship shouldn't happen, you know, sort of thing, and you know it does, and then they get married, Kevin's born, things like that. That's a, that's the thing about it. Just like it, the I think the premonition is that you know it was doomed from the start. And also, on the music, music is very well done. Yeah, uh, this, I mean, the sounds and tape was spot on. And even like the the sound, like she incorporates sounds from the environment as well. Like when you mm-hmm. see the dead bodies of Celia and Franklin, like it's the sound of the water sprinkler, right? Just yeah, like, yeah. Around. And then when you see everything, it just like, it just like gushes. Like they're like. It builds up. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think also even the drain scene and the water is like piling up in the sink. Same thing. The tension is getting built there too. Yeah. Uh, kind of like in The Godfather, in the train is, what scene is that? When uh, The Godfather starts to kill someone and then he's sitting in the restaurant, the train is like speeding by. Mm-hmm. A similar technique of building tension and sound, yeah. And there's even the one where, like, to quieten the baby because, like, when the baby cries, it's calling attention. And this is like when she's in the stroller. So she takes mm-hmm. the stroller next to the jackhammer. A guy yeah. Using a jackhammer. Mm-hmm. And, like, that sound just kind of. And the way that she plays in that sound, it's not like she comes and just stops by there. It's just like you hear her, like, you see the frustration in Tilda Swinton's face, and then you sort of realize. And then the sound of the jackhammer like pops up. So it's like mm-hmm. you know, this drilling sound and then it cuts to her like standing next to a jackhammer so that, you know, she can sort of get some respite and the, like the baby's sound can be muffled by the sound of the jackhammer. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I thought because th- those all feel like real things that people would do. And a lot of the actions, despite it being so heightened, like mm-hmm. it's always stay- it's always stays grounded. That's what I love about this movie. And it just exemplifies its themes through its visuals further and further. And, you know, the, the guilt and, like, the use of red. And, yeah. Just the, yeah, it feels very real and, like, you know, like, plausible. Yeah, because I think someone, I think many directors could hide in this. Like, they would take this to, like, extreme proportions. But, like, I think the book and, like, the movie, I, I don't know about the book, but the movie definitely keeps this entire affair grounded. And it just makes it so much more visceral. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like much more violent than it seems on the surface because you never see any actual violence. Like the thing with Celia uh, having her eye blinded or like the hamster. Yeah, it's all hinted to. Yeah. Because like. It's not actually shown. Because I think the most violence that you see is probably like it might be the slap in the face in the beginning. Yeah, I think so. Because everything else is just visual, like what you see. 
Like as remember, even he, Kevin's shooting too. You see him shooting. Like you see the person hit. Yeah, yeah because he shoots, and then they cut to a person on a bed who's being wheeled into an ambulance. Yeah, and like yeah. every era, like sort of signifies that. And I thought that was really well done. And yeah, there's just a lot to pick up on. And I'm pretty sure, like on a second watch, I'll even like pick up more things. Mm-hmm. But even then, even you know, all this being considered, it's a really good movie. Oh, definitely. I I enjoyed watching it for sure. Yeah. So, do you want to go to ratings and final thoughts? Yeah, uh, out of five, I'll give it a four point five. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with you on this one. Yeah, I give this. Oh, that's a yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm giving this one a four point five out of five. Yeah, I mean, couple of minor things, but otherwise, it's a really good watch. I mean, I think I might bump this up to a five if I rewatch it. But this is really mm-hmm. great, and so. Yeah, I need to get to that Walking Phoenix movie and you know watch that as soon as possible. Cause yeah, yeah, I I really love this movie and yeah, I'm probably just gonna go through and try filmography possibly because she has like she has four feature films. Oh, and so oh. this is like the most I would say this is the most well known out of all of them, but uh-huh. you know the others are very well known on like the film circuit. Like it's just that you have to find like where you can get them like. Ratcatcher, like I don't even know if you can, I can find it on iTunes or anything like that. <laughs> like I gotta see. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, this is really great. Uh, Four point five out of five. So I definitely recommend. Uh, and recommendation for next time. Yeah, uh, I recommend the movie In the Mood for Love. Uh, it's a thousand movie, thousand, mm-hmm. and it's directed by Wong Wong Kaiwai. Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a very well known. Sorry if I butchered that name. What's a Wong Kar Wai or Wong Kar Wai? Uh, Wong Kar Wai, I think. Kar Wai. Yeah. I hope I'm pronouncing uh, uh, right too. Yeah. <laughs> Apologies. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a lot about this movie and this director too. Like, it's sort of like, I think I first heard about him with like Chunking Express. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you heard of that one, but that one was really. No, I, I have well, not. Because. I think in the mood for love is like part of a trilogy, right? Oh. Correct me if I'm wrong. I I thought it I'm was. Sure. I thought it was. Oh yeah, so it's a part of a. It's like an informal tetralogy. Like there are four films. So one is called Days of Being Wild. That is 1990. Then there's uh-huh. In the Mood for Love, and then there's 2046, which is released in 2004. And then there's a fourth one is coming this year apparently. Oh. Yeah, so it's called Blossoms, and uh, I don't know if there's any news for that. The last film that he did was in 2013, so... Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, let me see, because... Okay, yeah, this sort of, like, news, like, first new look. It's just, like, set to shoot in July this year, so I don't know if it's going to release this year. But it's supposed to be, like, a TV series. Oh, I think or I don't know if it's a film. I'm kind of confused. Okay. <laughs> I'm probably going to cut this out <laughs> while I'm editing. Okay. But yeah. So that's a recommendation, right? In the Mood for Love, 2000. Yep. Uh, directed by Wong Kar Wai. And uh, it's about what? It's semi-romance, I guess. Right? Drama slash romance. Romance. Yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense with like what I'm reading about like the synopsis. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that would... Uh, work like semi-romance kind of like in the vein of 
eternal sunshine i guess you know in the way that's kind Kinda, of yeah mm-hmm. yeah all right so that's it yeah, for this until episode. next week yeah until next week and that's about it right yeah yeah uh in the description are our socials if you want to follow and that's about it really so thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode bye bye